it is it is that aggressive it is that rapidly spreading and and so this is a brand new entity this this is something we've never seen before uh, it can happen with many different kinds of cancers so turbo cancer isn't uh, a one particular type Hello, world, and welcome to the Shannon Joy Show. We are broadcasting from the Joy Virtual Studio right here in the beautiful Finger Lakes region of New York State. It is so good to be with all of you tonight. It is Monday as we launch another very, very busy broadcast week before we get started with my special guest, someone I've been wanting to welcome into the Joy Virtual Studio for quite some time. His name is Dr. William Meckes. He is up north with all of us from the uh, from Canada. So not too far away, but doing really amazing work there. And we're going to get into some of the top uh, COVID-19 vaccine news of the day with Dr. Mackis. Dr. William Mackis is with us tonight. He is a medical doctor out of the out of Canada. Uh, he specializes in radiology, oncology, and immunology. Um, he's one of the strongest medical freedom advocates uh, on the face of the planet um, he has been cited hundreds of times. He's an author of over 100 peer-reviewed medical publications. He is an expert in his field, and he has one of the most important characteristics, and that is courage. He stood up and he spoke out when no one else would in the dark days of 220, 221, and 222. Dr. Mackis, welcome to the Shannon Joy Show. So glad that you're with us tonight. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. You can find everything that he does on Substack, macusmd.substack.com. You can follow him on Twitter. His handle is at macusmd. So let's start here. We're going to talk about a whole host of issues. One of the reasons I really like your Substack is that you do weave into it a strong theme of, of healing and treatment protocols for COVID-19 vaccine injury. And that's where I want to go, um, you know, a little bit later in the program. But the reality is that these COVID vaccines are wreaking havoc on human bodies across the globe. We're going to get into that as well. Before we get into the details and some of the breaking news of the day, I do want to ask you about your experience. This is the first time on the Shannon Joy Show, and so it's the first time that my audience is going to meet you. And, uh, you know, you stood up against COVID fascism when it wasn't cool to do so and when everyone in the world believed that uh, locking down, social distancing, double, triple masking, and vaccine double boosted was the way to go. Um, you spoke up and you stood up in Canada, and that resulted in pushback and also persecution. No, it's it's honestly been a tremendous honor and privilege to be invited to join the uh, wellness company and to be able to work with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, you know, Dr. Paul Alexander, Dr. Roger Hotkinson, many other incredible doctors who who stood up, you know, during this pandemic, stood up for their patients, stood up yep. for what was right and, and yep. fought back against uh, big pharma. And it's just such, you know, such an incredible uh, privilege to be able to work with these incredible doctors. Yeah, that was, I, I didn't even know. I'm like looking it up and I'm like, oh, we love those guys. We love the folks over at Wellness Company and um, they are doing some really, really great work. So that's very cool. Here's a breaking headline that I want to get your thoughts on that I think is um, pretty astounding. Um, we have in Brevard County, Florida, 
the executive committee of the GOP voted overwhelmingly and submitted a four-page letter along with footnotes um, to pull COVID-19 vaccines from Florida. They are now uh, encouraging the executive, Governor Ron DeSantis, also the legislature in Florida. In that letter, they state that there is, quote, strong and credible evidence that the COVID-19 vaccines are biological and technological bioweapons, and they are calling for the immediate halt to the distribution of the COVID-19 vaccines in Florida. This is astounding. And this is happening alongside Governor Ron DeSantis answering questions just a few days ago about the grand jury that he convened, that he put together to look into the criminal aspect of the rollout and the production and the distribution of the COVID-19 vaccines. What do you make of these developments? And would you join them in the assertion that we could possibly be looking at biological and technological bioweapons? I think this is an extremely important development because I'm of the belief that these COVID-19 vaccines, and, and they're not vaccines in a classical sense, they're yeah. gene treatments, gene therapies, mm -hmm. yep. that they should have been pulled off the market back in January 2021 or February of 2021, when it was a when it was clear that there was a significant number of deaths that were being caused by the vaccines. Mm -hmm. This was in the VAERS reports, you know, that the numbers started climbing uh, very quickly. And so these, vac these vaccines should have been pulled off the market back in 2021 early 2021 the fact that we're you know we're here two years later with tens of thousands of deaths in the VAERS system i think it's over thirty thousand deaths with hundreds of thousands of injuries recorded in VAERS, with millions of injuries recorded in other adverse reporting systems like uh, the who's vigi access i think has close to five million unbelievable documented mm -hmm. with COVID 19 vaccines the fact that these are still on the market to me is absolutely incomprehensible so I, I think this is an incredible step. Uh, now, this this designation of bioweapons, I would agree with that. Um, we know that these, um, the vaccines, both the Pfizer and Moderna, I mean, it, it's a product of gain-of-function research. Yes. Uh, you know that there are artificial, um, you know, there's there's artificial components to this. For example, the recent discovery by Kevin McKernan that there is a SV40 virus promoter uh, present yep. in um, in the Pfizer vials, for example, right. and and right. that's a that's a cancer causing virus. That is a virus that causes brain cancers. It causes uh, lymphomas. Why is this present in in the spike protein sequence? Now, what he's discovered was that there's also DNA contamination in these mRNA vials. That there are plasmids. Plasmids are rings of DNA that have the entire spike protein sequence. So that's used in the manufacturing process. That's mm. how they manufacture the mRNA vaccines. They put it in a plasmid, then they put it in a bacteria like E. coli. They let the bacteria replicate along right. with the plasmids. So they end up with this tons of genetic material that they then reverse transcribe into mRNA. They package that into vials, and they were supposed to clean up all that DNA uh, degrade it, make sure that none of that is present in the vials. And he discovered actually there's a ton of this DNA contamination in the vials with the full spike protein sequence, but there's other sequences there too, like this SV40 promoter, which is a carcinogenic uh, virus. Mm. And there's, and there's other, th other things in this sequence that we don't even know what, what, what they do. Uh, there's other genetic uh, sequences 
there's microRNAs. There's all kinds of strange artificial material, right? Uh, and and so we know that that there's been gain of function research with this sequence. Um, you know, I've I've seen a lot of the evidence about the Department of Defense yeah. and their involvement yep. in these vaccines. And so I agree. I think this is this is the right approach to take. We have to get these products off the market. Right. I support any efforts to to get these things taken off the market as as quickly as possible. Yep. Uh, bravo to the Republicans. I don't usually have nice things to say about Republicans, but Brevard County, Florida, will be continuing to watch that story. You mentioned the SV40 discovery uh, in the the vials. Uh, Astounding to me that it's taken so long to actually get these <laughs> vaccines and put them under a microscope and learn what is what what is in them. One of the difficulties in that is that we also know that it appears they sent out different versions of the vaccine and potentially placebos. So people who think that they're vaccinated might not have the spike protein. They might not have the lipid nanoparticles because they were given a saline injection. That's all up in the air right now because the FDA, the CDC, the NIH, government agencies, all of the agencies that are tasked with, with making sure that these products are safe and effective have completely fallen apart. They've been completely degraded and corrupted. And this is leading now to a tragedy of, of epic proportion in humans. Uh, you are an expert. You're an oncologist. You treated cancer. This is your area of expertise. And you have been talking about turbo cancers, these, um, these highly unusual types of cancers never seen before, only now showing up post mass injection of COVID-19 vaccines. Um, it could have to do with the SV40 and the promoter um, that you mentioned, but other other elements as well. Can you speak to the nature of the cancers that you are seeing as a result, in your medical opinion, of the COVID nineteen vaccines? So the term turbo cancer is not a medical term; it, it's a lay term, and it was coined to describe cancers in those who've had at least one or several COVID nineteen vaccines. Cancers that behave unlike anything we've seen before. These okay. cancers are very aggressive. They grow very rapidly. Usually they will only present once you're already at stage four. Mm. So when, when you have a young person presenting with cancer, in the vast majority of the times, they will present with you know in stage one or stage two, treatable. Uh, you know, if you take breast cancer, stage one, that you know, if the person gets the surgery, uh radiation therapy, in some cases chemotherapy, they can live. For decades afterwards, mm, you know, they sure. can be cancer-free for many decades. Uh, that's not the case with these types of cancers. They're extremely aggressive. They present usually around stage four, um, and they surprise the oncologists, right? You know, an oncologist will look at this and say, "Oh, okay, you know, this lung cancer or or, or brain cancer, you know, we can treat it." But by as they are preparing the treatment, as the oncologists and surgeons are preparing treatments. These cancers grow and spread so rapidly that they catch the entire medical team off guard mm. because the medical team is not expecting this kind of rapid growth from that particular type of cancer. Mm -hmm. And um, they're very hard to control. So even when they do start chemotherapy or radiation therapy, it turns out that these cancers are resistant. They're resistant to chemo. They're resistant to radiation therapy. And even if there's a partial response initially, 
that response is lost very quickly. The cancer continues to grow, continues to spread, continues to metastasize. And the time frame on, on these cancers is very condensed. It's very compact. So, you know, cancers that you expect people to live with for many years usually kills people in a matter of, let's say, six months, roughly on oh average. Right. Oh then there's the brain cancers that, you know, the glioblastomas, which you know, usually people are expected to survive 12 to 18 months, they can die in a matter of weeks, sometimes even days, you know, the leukemias, which mm. again, people could live with, you know, for a year or two, or longer, depending on, uh, you know, the type of treatment and so on and treatment response, people will die with turbo cancer leukemias in a matter of days, sometimes even hours after diagnosis, mm. I've reported on in my Substack. Uh, on the kids, 11, 13, 18 years old, who, who felt unwell, went to the doctor, had blood work done, they discover you have a leukemia, and they end up dying several hours later or several days later. Uh, it, is, it is that aggressive. It is that rapidly spreading. And, and so this is a brand new entity. This, this is something we've never seen before. Uh, it can happen with many different kinds of cancers. So turbo cancer isn't uh, a one particular type. You can have turbo cancer of the brain. Mm. You can have leukemias, lymphomas. You can have turbo cancer of the breast, of the colon, of the rectum, uh, of the liver, of the gallbladder. So there's many different types, but they all behave similarly in the sense that they're extremely aggressive, rapidly growing, rapidly spreading. And it's always catching the treating oncologists off guard because the oncologists have not made the association between the COVID-19 vaccination and the cancer. Mm. In, in fact, there's been cases where a person will show up, they've had, let's say, two Pfizer shots, they develop lymphoma, an aggressive lymphoma six months later, and the doctors will give him the booster shot before they start chemotherapy. Unbelievable. Person, then the person dies in a matter of you know months because the doctors have not made the link between, they don't think that, that the that the vaccines can cause the cancer. And I've been faced that, you know, I've had a California oncologist, Dr. Gorski, attack me. To, and, and he said, he said, you know, turbo cancer doesn't exist. It's nonsense. There's no way that the mRNA vaccines can cause cancer. Well, actually, there are, I spoke to an Epoch Times journalist who asked me, Dr. Mack is, can you tell me how these COVID-19 vaccines can be causing these turbo cancers. Yeah, that's my and, next and question. I, and I gave her nine different mechanisms of the way that this could be happening that we know of as of this point. Wow. Wow. Nine, now, different, I'm assuming, nine different mechanisms. Yeah, I'd like to get to the nine different mechanisms or, or you know, the top mechanisms, because I was going to ask you about that. You know, what is it from your, you know, professional experience and knowledge but I'm assuming that what that what has tipped you off to these turbo cancers, you're probably looking at at case studies or um, you know certain journals or just you know um, what an anecdotal stories from oncologists across the globe is you know is that where you're kind of compiling these because it always starts with the anecdotes, right? It always starts Absolutely. with okay, so an anomaly, something different, and people are talking about it, and then the science kind of comes after. Yeah. So there's been a couple of uh, published case reports okay. on these. And, and and these were, again, these were, you know, these these were reports where the doctors made, you know, they, they reported what they saw. They reported their case and, and they said, look, we had no other explanation other than the person had, you know, their COVID vaccine. And they yeah. report a completely abnormal behavior of a particular cancer. So there are case reports of that. 
there's already been uh, some mouse studies uh, published recently showing that, you know, they had given Pfizer vaccines and then, uh, you know, some of the mice developed these extremely aggressive cancers. Now, these were studies that Pfizer and Moderna should have done before right. they rolled out hundreds of millions of these doses, but they never did those studies. When you look at when you look at the information from Pfizer or Moderna that was used to get approval, regulatory approval, you will see that they did they didn't do any genotoxicity studies. They didn't do any carcinogenicity studies. When when you look at you know genotoxicity, none like like not ah. available. They didn't do them. They didn't do those studies. They just released these, uh, you know, these vaccines on the population. So in terms of the mechanisms of, of the turbo cancer, it's very complicated, but it comes down to, I always say, you know, you could sort of summarize it as damage to the immune system. Okay. These vaccines damage the immune system. Now they damage the immune system in many different ways. Um, I'll give you an example, for example, um, the, when, the, when, when the mRNA was designed, uh, the designers, uh, Dr. Carrico and Dr. Wiseman, they were looking at, well, how do we design the mRNA so it doesn't get degraded by the body right away? And then they figured out, well, if we make an artificial nucleotide and replace one of the nucleotides in the mRNA sequence with this artificial nucleotide, so instead of uridine, you get pseudouridine. Um, so that's, that's an artificial nucleotide that's been modified then they found that, oh, the mRNA doesn't actually get degraded. It is much more resistant in the body. It, it, it resists degradation of the body. Well, there, there's a side effect to that inserting that pseudouridine, which we know is both in Pfizer and Moderna. And one of the side effects is that it actually uh, downregulates the innate immune response through toll-like receptors 3, 4, and 7. This has okay. been documented, which are present on immune cells. Right. So they will actually downregulate these receptors. So you're you're effectively dampening your own immune system, your innate immune system. That's one of the ways. Yeah. You know, well, and that's a major. That's a major, major way. Uh, you know, because that is going to make yeah. a body susceptible to all sorts to to I mean, flus and respiratory illnesses and cancers Absolutely. and. Um, you know, and, you know, Ed Dowd has been on the program. He, I, I don't think he coined the terms, but, um, you know, vaccine induced autoimmune disorders or something along the lines of, a, of a VADES type thing where you just have basic suppression of, of your immune system. So as cancers, and, you know, you've mentioned before, and I've had other oncologists on the program who talk about, you know, our body's constantly fighting off cancers every day. We, you know, things are being entered into our body and our immune system is working and it's and it's fighting against those and that keeps it robust. When you degrade the immune system to such an extent that if you say you have the gene that that is susceptible to certain cancers, say you have um, other environmental susceptibilities to cancer, say you're a smoker or you have been, you know, exposed to certain toxins. It's going, your, your body's just not going to be able to fight those off. Um, I think it's important for people to understand that it's not that it like, that it's, it's injecting cancer into you. It is suppressing, and maybe it is. I mean, I'll, I'll let you continue with the, with the eight other, um, you know, types, but, you know, I think that's important for people to understand. Exactly. And the way I describe it is, is that your immune system is your shield. It's, it's your mm -hmm. shield, but it's not a shield just against viruses and bacteria and fungi. It's a shield against cancer. It's a shield that, you know, as you said, you know, our bodies are producing mutated cells, precancerous cells all the time, every yeah. day. Yeah. And your immune system is there to, to, to identify them, to zap them, destroy them so that you don't develop cancer. Yeah. 
Your immune system does that for your entire 85-year lifespan, mm-hmm. right? But then what's happening is now you've introduced this foreign genetic material yeah. uh, that's that's been already artificially modified uh, that we know has was actually designed to dampen your immune system. Now we're learning it interferes with DNA repair. It <laughs> interferes with uh, P53 uh, BRCA1 and 2, you know, tumor suppressor genes. It interferes with tumor suppressor genes. It yeah. interferes with T-cell signaling. So we find that people who've been vaccinated, they have decreased type 1 interferon uh, in, in the body. So that's a signaling mechanism between T-cells, right? right? right. Um, then you've got the issue of reverse transcription of the mRNA into our genome, which we knew could happen, that the spike protein could actually be integrated into our own DNA, And then it's like, the question is, okay, where does it integrate? It could be integrated into a proto-oncogene, which could, you know, you know, stimulate a a proto-oncogene to be produced or tumor suppressor gene. Like, like there's all of these different mechanisms. Then you've got this DNA contamination that was discovered by Kevin McKernan. Right. That, you know, we could also mean that we are incorporating these DNA plasmids with the entire spike protein and the SV40 carcinogenic, you know, the promoter of that. We're incorporating that into our DNA. That could explain why some people are producing spike protein a year later, year and a half later after they took their last shot. Because what I'm seeing with the anecdotal evidence right now, and it's it's with the myocarditis, it's with the blood clots, it's with the autoimmune diseases, neurological injuries, and the turbo cancers. In some of these cases, these individuals have not taken a COVID vaccine in the past year. Mm. Their last COVID vaccine may have been early 2022 when the booster shots were rolled out or even the first two doses, um, which was a year and a half ago. Wow. And and the late onset, a long term late onset suppression. And they're still coming down with these vaccine injuries a year, year and a half later. So what's happening? What might be happening is that they're producing the spike protein because you know it might have gotten integrated into their DNA or it just hasn't degraded. So they're producing, they've been producing the spike protein this whole time. And maybe they had a strong immune system and a good, you know, good genetics. Yeah. And they could deal with, with the injuries and, and their system was trying to deal with the damage from the spike protein. And maybe after a year, their system got burnt out. Maybe their mm-hmm. immune system got burnt out. Maybe they've burnt out all their T cells <sighs> and, and, and their system cannot deal with the damage anymore and then they come down with these autoimmune conditions they come down with you know strokes and myocarditis and and you know neurological injuries turbo cancers a year year and a half later and i always say look there's a long-term effect of these COVID 19 vaccines that was not studied pfizer and moderna did not study the long-term effects of these vaccines they studied them in the clinical trials, they studied them in young, healthy populations for a couple of months. Mm, I know. I know. They studied it for a couple of months. And then they said, oh, look, let's give the vaccines to everybody. So, the, you know, the, the whole, you know, having a control group was completely lost. Yeah. Right. And and so there was no, nobody studied the long-term effects of these things. And they didn't do the animal studies. Right. right? So if they had, had at least looked at the animals and said, look, let's look at the entire lifespan of, of mice or other primates. uh what have you, they didn't do any of those studies or or if they did, we haven't seen them. Yeah. But well, we know that they've, they've tried to suppress a lot of this information for, you know, 75 years. Oh, certainly. Well, and we also know, according to the great research by Sasha Ladapova, that as bad as the 
as the pharmaceutical corporations were, and they are really, really bad, they were also working at the behest of Pentagon and the Department of Defense, that these were countermeasures that were deployed as part of a military operation. And RFK Jr. has corroborated this as well. You've had other, um, you know, mainstream figures come out and, and, you know, acknowledge this elephant in the room that uh, they were working they were following orders from from the Department of Defense. And that leads us back to this determination is why it's so extraordinary that this group of Republican legislators um, in Brevard County, Florida, that basically um, identifying the elephant in the room, saying it, saying the words, uh, this appears to be a bioweapon. Very important development. And the stakes are incredibly high. Uh, Dr. William Mackis understands those stakes. Please support him. Go to macusmd.substack.com. That's macusmd.substack.com, where you can support him financially in all of his efforts. Also, you can follow him on Twitter. His handle is at macusmd. When we come back, okay, it's really bad. We only scratched the surface. Honestly, Dr. Mackis, we could probably talk for three to four to five hours about uh, the pathology of the, the spike protein and the mRNA and all the ways that lipid nanoparticles, all the ways that these vaccines can kill you. It is tragic, truly tragic. Another distinguishing characteristic of your Substack is that you do talk about cures and treatments and protocols. And what caught my attention last week, which I featured on my show, was a Substack that you um that you put out showing that fasting 48 to 72 hours of fasting can create a process called autophagy, I believe is the way it is pronounced. And that that could begin to detox a body and potentially combat the damages caused by the spike protein. I want to talk about that and other protocols, things that you are seeing and working on. You are on the cutting edge of a lot of these things. And I do really appreciate the work that you're doing. We're going to be back in a moment to continue this discussion with Dr. William Mackis. I saw an interview you did that there's some evidence out there, uh, according to the interview I saw of you, that shows that cancer could be increased for those who take this vaccine? This is very disturbing. We've seen now several reports, one by Singh and colleagues, University of Pittsburgh, showing that the S2 segment of the spike protein can interfere with tumor suppressor systems, P53 and BRCA. Uh, that was by modeling now Kevin McKernan has examined two vials of Pfizer, two of Moderna, and he, he found in one of the sets of vials what's called fragments of DNA, cDNA, importantly, a cancer-promoting segment called SV40. So if this is true and that some of the vials are contaminated with DNA from the manufacturing process, this could be very bad news because people are taking injections every six months. seen these kind of adverse reactions, they were predictable because if you look at the clinical trial data, even though they lied on the clinical trial data, Pfizer lied. We know that. There's no doubt about it. The heart attacks we're seeing, the strokes we're seeing, we, the, the death rates from this vaccine are, there's been more deaths in eight months 
and in all the billions of vaccines combined over the last 30 years from this one vaccine, 17,000 recorded deaths in the United States, and we know the death rate's much, much higher than that. Probably 40 times the best math, the best you know studies are showing that it's 40 times that. So, um, you know, the risks from the vaccine are uh, they're completely untenable. If people knew the truth, they would not be taking this vaccine. And then the benefits of the vaccine are apparently zero or even sub-zero after six months. You know, the British data is showing that the people who are vaccinated are actually more likely in many age categories to, uh, to get COVID than people who are unvaccinated. So, which, by the way, was predicted. Now, we know that Pfizer knew this was going to happen because in their clinical trial, there were among, in a six-month clinical trial, it was only six months. At the end of that people period, 20 people died in the vaccine group and only 14 in the placebo group of all-cause mortality. The, there were five heart attacks in the vaccine group and only one in the placebo group. So your chance of dying of a heart attack from that vaccine, according to their own studies, is 500% greater than if you're unvaccinated. So they knew we were going to kill a lot of people. And they did it anyway. And people need to be able to see those studies and, um, and understand the deception, this you know, criminal deception that has uh, been imposed upon them. Hey, good morning, everyone. Hope you had a good weekend. All right, let's jump over to Epoch TV now. Sorry, we had an issue there. All right, first off here, Project Next Gen. Biden allocates, or Biden had allocates $5 billion for new COVID vaccination with little manufacturing guidance. It says the Biden administration is issuing grants from a $5 billion program to expedite the next generation of COVID-19 vaccines. But pharmaceutical manufacturers are not receiving guidance about vaccine standards. Maybe there are no standards. As the development process returns to its normally slower pace. The initiative known as Project Next Gen has left manufacturers confused about whether they are even eligible for funding, the New York Times reported. For example, the Pennsylvania-based company Ocugen, which is developing an, an inhaled vaccine. <laughs> I can only imagine what they could do with that said it was unable to receive guidance about whether it was eligible for the funding. And further, it says Project Next Gen dwarfs Operation Warp Speed, its $18 billion 2020 predecessor that hastened COVID vaccine development. The latest project launched with COVID deaths at their lowest level does not have Warp Speed's funding nor authority. It's a little confusing here. They, they say, they're saying Project Next Gen dwarfs Operation Warp Speed, but they're also saying it doesn't. Maybe it's an error in the article. Uh, regardless, though, <clears throat> what I see them doing right here is they're trying to normalize Operation Warp Speed. Operation Warp Speed, which was the fast tracking of the creation and release of new vaccines for public use, um, you know, it was, a, it was supposed to be a once-in-a-lifetime thing done under a serious emergency. They're now declaring essentially that 
you know, pretty much any disease now is being called a public health emergency. Monkeypox, which was spreading almost exclusively among homosexual men uh, and not in large numbers, was being called a public health crisis. And then when it started spreading to like dogs and children, they, they just made the whole thing disappear, you might remember. Um, <clears throat> but they have all kinds of weird, like, you know, minor illnesses with like, you know, 10 cases here or 15 cases there, and they're calling them public health crisis. Uh, what we're seeing right now is, is the normalization of the concept that any emerging illness is now a crisis, and any emerging illness necessitates a massive government response. Um, even not even emerging, but even just something that appears in small numbers pretty much anywhere. Um, I, th I think we're going to see probably the COVID, the COVID state of things become the normal way of doing things. Now, this is actually problematic already because vaccine companies really had pretty strong legal immunity as it was. Um, as I mentioned briefly, you know, actually, I was curious about uh, RFK Jr. and what he really had to say, because he says, I'm, I'm not anti-vaccine. <laughs> He's he's totally anti-vaccine. He can say he's not all he wants. Maybe what he means is that he's not against the traditional, you know, the traditional vaccine systems. I think it's fair to say he doesn't oppose all vaccines. But I was watching his interview with Joe Rogan, and he's he's talking about <clears throat> the history of vaccinations and the legal process that has been just loosened to such a massive degree to allow for these vaccines to be made public. He seems to be very much against them. I'd agree with him, actually. I think the vaccine industry is one of the most corrupt industries in the face of the planet uh, that is killing children. He said that, you know, they say, oh, cases of vaccine injury are like one in a million. He said, actually, studies they've done, it's about one in every 36. Not one in a million, it's about one in 36. Uh, one of the big things he raised was the problem of mercury. He's, you know, he's an environmentalist, and so that's his big thing, right? I'm not endorsing him one bit, don't get me wrong. Um, it, the way I see RFK Jr. is that he's a Democrat, and he's a conventional, old-school Democrat, one that does not affiliate with the wild, far-left, crazy-town-type narratives that have come out these days, which is, I think, why the really wild, far-out, crazy-town ones despise him and fear him. Um, but, you know, I, I don't typically like those policies. I'm, I'm very much against abortion. I'm very much for gun rights. I'm very much for free markets and, and so on, right? He, he's very much seemingly against some of those things, although I think you could argue he's kind of for free markets. At the same time, I do like, uh, I do like the idea of, for example, going after, after big pharma. And if, if, he, if Trump's going to have any issue with him, it's going to be that point, uh, because Trump is still... Trump is probably losing some voters for not, not admitting that things went wrong with Operation Warp Speed and for not acknowledging that there are some problems with the vaccines. He, he's kind of stayed on that train. Uh, so I think that's, you know, one thing he's going to have trouble with with RFK Jr. And just overall, you know, even with DeSantis, he's going to be dealing with that. Beside the point, though, one thing RFK Jr. did was he talked about... Um, what do you call it? Uh, mercury. And if he said, if you talk to a lot of these people, they'd be like, oh, well, the stuff we have in vaccines is the safe mercury. 
the safe mercury? There is no safe mercury. There's two types. Uh, one of which is, I guess, the dangerous mercury. And the other one's called, they call it the safe mercury. Why do they call it the safe? It's because they did a huge experiment on children. They managed to inject them all with uh, these, uh, you know, mercury-laced vaccines or whatever. And they found that mercury leaves the bloodstream within, you know, a couple weeks to a couple months. Great. It left the bloodstream. Anybody who works in toxicology is going to say, well, where did it go? Fine, it left the bloodstream. Where did it go? It didn't come out anywhere. It didn't come out anywhere else. Where'd it go? Where's the mercury? Now, they used that study to fast, you know, basically put the stuff in everything. If you, if you get an injection, if you get these shots, yeah, you're getting mercury injected in you. Why is that? It's because the the process of approving these vaccines uh, is based on the idea of, you know, eliciting an immune response and how do you get your body to have an immune immunal reaction while you inject poison into it? You cause your body to respond. And they found that just injecting the viruses was not eliciting enough of a response, so they had to pack these things with toxic chemicals. The toxic chemicals, mercury in this case, elicit the immune response that get them the, get them the FDA approval. It's all about the approval process and the technicalities of the approval process. After they started doing it, another group was like, well, let's figure out where the mercury is going. And they got you know a bunch of monkeys, poor monkeys, by the way, they did the same thing to them, and then, then they dissected the monkeys, and they found the mercury didn't go away. The mercury didn't disappear. The mercury went into their brains. And so, you know, you get those shots, you're getting mercury injected into your brain is all you're doing, um, which I think is pretty dang problematic, personally. <clears throat> Anyways, the problem you're having now is these vaccine programs are going to be able to operate on a faster track as a normal way of doing business. Uh, an industry that already had way too little, way too little requirement and way too much immunity, way too much immunity to be able to function in a way that deserves public trust. Uh, these are utterly untrustworthy companies, in my opinion. Not saying I'm against. I'm not, not saying I'm against like normal vaccines, but I think the industry is utterly corrupt. Basically, that's it. Let me show you one more thing. We'll jump into questions. I want to show you how everybody is being lied to again. Well, I guess I do that a lot actually, but let me show you this case. It relates to this abortion case all over the place right now, and Nebraska. This is no lie with Brian Tyler Cohen. So if you, this is one of the leftist establishment guys, and this is what he's telling the world just happened, right? If, if, you, if you were like watching this show, you turn on the mainstream news and you read this and you're like, how dare they? How dare they? We need to go cast our votes to make sure this never happens again. Because no lie with, Ky with Brian Tyler Cohen says this, a Nebraska teenager has been sentenced to jail and charged as a felon after ending her pregnancy with abortion pills, she faces up to five years in prison. Imagine, they tell you you can get an abortion, they sell you the pills, a teenager takes the pills, she's just a teenager, and she faces five years in prison. Imagine. Now, it was luckily fact-checked by Community Notes, this guy, Brian Tyler Cotton, never watched his show, by the way. Um, I don't really know who he is, but it says it was fact-checked 
first off, yeah, she's a teenager. She's 18, an 18-year-old. Normally, you'd call that an adult. Second, she was not charged for having an abortion. That's an utter lie. It's a disgusting lie. She was charged for using abortion pills to kill a fully developed infant, a baby that could have survived on its own, a baby that was a living, breathing, fully functional human being, technically, in the third trimester, which violates the law in Nebraska. Not only did she then kill a fully functional infant, she then burned it, and then she buried its remains and didn't report the, you know, the crime, essentially. Um, under American law, if you want to dispose of a human body, well, you got to report it. Otherwise, it's called concealing a dead body. For killing a fully developed infant, for burning it, for burying it, and then failing to report it, she only got three months in prison at most. Think about that. At most. She's probably going to get less than that. The left is coming out in her defense. They're putting a teenager in prison for having an abortion. No, they're not. They didn't even charge her for having an abortion. They didn't even charge her for that. Well, they didn't prosecute her for that. Representative Ted Lieu comes out and he says this. He's disgusted. He says the Twitter community note at the bottom of the tweet is stupid. That's right. How dare how dare the community and Twitter clarify the truth of what actually took place? How dare they tell the world the truth? He says, putting women in jail for concealing an abortion as compared for to having an abortion is not the winning message the Republicans think it is. And then he got fact-checked. He got fact-checked as well. And funny enough, people pointed to a New York Times article which said this. It says prosecutors did, this is quote from New York Times, prosecutors did not charge Celeste Burgess under Nebraska's abortion law. She pleaded guilty to removing or concealing human skeletal remains, which is a felony. And she only got three months for that felony. Prosecutors agreed to drop two misdemeanor charges, concealing a death and false reporting. <laughs> Imagine you kill a fully developed, fully functioning infant capable of living. You kill it. You kill a baby, right? And then you burn it, and then you bury it. And you also, she also conspired with her mom to do it. Uh, they said that the, her and her mom said, we'll burn it and just get rid of the evidence. They actually said this, you know, something along those lines in their text messages. Now, look. My stance, abortion is a, is a moral debate. We're, we're debating it on politics, but it's actually, it's more of like a religious debate. I understand the law on it. I understand a lot of people have done it. Um, I don't, I do not believe in it. I think, I think it's killing. Uh, and that's more because I believe in the human soul. I believe, I don't believe in killing humans. I don't believe in killing babies, especially. Um... For me, I believe an infant at any stage of being in the mother's womb has a, has a soul, has a human soul, and ending that life is no different than killing a fully grown human. That's, that's my personal belief, and that's more rooted in my religious belief. I believe, again, that humans have souls, and that uh, killing a life is killing a life. I, I, don't, I don't support it. That being said, though, again, it's a moral debate. I don't think we're going to find common ground on moral debates unless we just talk with reason with each other or if we have kind of shared beliefs. 
But aside from all of that, just viewed from a normal legal perspective, let me tell you why I think this really matters. Abortion pills basically give a backdoor where you can violate abortion laws. This, this girl took an abortion pill, right? Abortion pills allow you to violate the law on these things. It means you can have essentially abortions at any point of the birth. You could technically give birth to a baby and then kill it afterwards and say you did it beforehand. Um, if, for example, you have this law or this allowed violation of the law where a person can just destroy the body. You know, at what point of growth can the infant be killed, right? And that, that's the other big question. You know, people originally said first trimester or first few weeks. They, then they said first, you know, two weeks. And they were saying partial birth abortion where the baby's being born and you can like, I don't know, shove a scalpel in its head or something like that, you know, which people have talked about doing. Um, you know, we're, we're getting pretty far along that line now. You know, we're, get, we're getting pretty far along that line where it's no longer even abortion. It's a fully functional living person. And there's no, if, if you want to talk about a third trimester, there's no way you can say otherwise, because if it's born, it's capable of living. It's not abortion anymore, no matter how you try to frame it. The question is also, should it be legal to hide the dead bodies of dead infants? Because that's actually what the left is saying right now. This girl didn't get charged, or she didn't get, you know, put sentenced to prison for having an abortion. She got sentenced for, like, hiding the body. <clears throat> now, if you, if you think it's le it should be legal to hide a dead body, what kind of issues do those raise? It means people can basically give birth to infants, living human beings, and do basically whatever the heck they want with them. You know, I, I, find, that, I find that deeply concerning, personally. And what are the implications if killing and disposing of infants has no consequences? If this girl, she only got sentenced to 90 days in prison, three months, and she's probably not even going to serve that. I understand people are like, oh, well, you know, we should be, we should consider this and whatever. Look, if, if there's no consequence of killing an infant, burning the body and disposing of the body. What does it mean if you don't punish that? It sets the precedent that you can kill and dispose of an infant in any way you want with no consequence. I think we're heading down a really dangerous road as a civilization if we allow these things to happen. I think, I think it's a very deeply concerning, dangerous road that is like the Canaanite, you know, baby sacrifice of, of yesteryear uh, making a making a full 180 and coming back to modern civilization if we if we don't get off this path, uh, because frankly, fr frankly we're probably killing more infants a year than the Mayans like or the Aztecs sacrificed on their you know temple steps. Uh, we're we're probably past that point already. Let's see here. Ms. You're saying Josh, have you? Let's jump into some questions. Have Have you any? Have you thought about the possibility that you may not receive medical care if you needed an emergency surgery because you're not vaxxed? I'm not vaccinated. Um, I don't think it's as big of a deal now. Um, you know, kind of post pandemic. I I did think about it during the pandemic, but I'm I'm not going to go against my principles just because someone tries to you know pressure me. It's just that's just me though. Uh, Sandy Sefkick, you said truly ballsy how they brainwash the world this particular pandemic, then we'll create new vaccines for the next one. 
pandemics become that frequent, hey? Yeah, well, and that's the thing, too. The politics around it, the the additional government powers around it, the corporate involvement, the NGO involvement, you know, they, they got a taste of power, and they want that power back is, is what I see happening. And they're trying to normalize this as just the way that you deal with pretty much anything that comes about. They're talking about using a public health crisis declaration for gun violence. They're talking about using a public health crisis declaration for, um, you know, global warming. I guess they're, they're calling it global warming again, by the way. I'm just ahead of the times. Uh, anyways, Seymour Buds, you're saying, Josh, what do you think are the implications of Biden refusing to do any presidential debates? Um, <clears throat> he's not campaigning either, last I saw. Biden is, has, has Biden ha- held any campaign events? I don't think he has. Um, maybe he feels there's nothing to debate. Uh, but at the same time, remember, we're in the primaries right now. So technically, if Biden were campaigning or debating, he'd be doing it to win the Democrat nomination. Um, he, he, as the incumbent, technically does not have to, uh, you know, RFK Jr. probably is not going to get the nomination. I think there are people anticipating that Biden either will not run for president in the end or is going to drop out. The question is, if if he is planning that, then when does he do it? My one thought, and I, maybe I'll talk about this again more in depth. My one thought is that RFK Jr. presents a real fundamental threat to them. Um, if If Biden drops out, if he doesn't run for re-election... He's going to lose incumbency, and that means then whoever comes in and tries to run is going to have to run a lo- run against you know RFK Jr. Uh, Gavin Newsom, I don't think he stands a chance against RFK Jr. Michelle Obama, probably not either. But you would have a, you would have Barack Obama back. But I think the public dislikes him enough now that uh, I don't think he has the gravitas for it either. So they don't want to get rid of Biden. I don't think either. My one assumption is they're going to try to pull like a last minute you know like bait and switch where they get they they my my personal assumption and this is purely based on my own speculation so take it as you will i think they're trying to wait until after the primaries are over primary season then have biden step down because of a public you know a, a health problem or something like that thereby throwing the democrats into an emergency situation where they themselves within the party choose the new front runner that will bypass the bypass the uh, the uh, the process of having that person elected by Democrat voters. I think they're going to bypass that process um, by having Biden do it after the time when the elections would have been held, and so I think that's why he's not campaigning or anything like that. I think they want to wait. Um, they want to wait till after the primaries. P- this is purely my speculation. We'll see if it ends up happening, but I, I, I think just kind of reading the tea leaves, that's what they're doing right now. Uh, that's all for tonight. Thank you for joining us, and as always, stay informed and stay free.